Praise the name of the Lord. It's such a beautiful thing to just pour your love on yes. the King of Kings. Yes. Amen. Yes. The one who calls you his child, the one who is your Abba. He is your Papa. And he just wants you to love him. You know, he just wants you to love on him. Let him know that he is worthy. Amen. We love you, Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Open your Bibles with me, if you would, to the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 13. And our core kids are dismissed now. You are worthy, Jesus. You are worthy, Jesus. You are worthy, Lord. Holy, holy, holy. Hebrews 11, verse 13. When you got it, say so. So. And it says, These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them. Embrace them and confess that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind the country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to, call, to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Lord, thank you so much for your presence. Thank you for being a loving, gracious Father. We thank you because you are here in this place. And we ask you, Spirit of God, to give us ears to hear what you are saying to your church. We pray, Lord God, that we would not be hearers alone, but that we would be doers. Give us hearts that are responsive to you, Lord God. We want to bring you glory. We want to bring you honor. We want the name of Jesus to be lifted up in our lives. And so, Lord, we pray that our ears would be attentive to your voice, that our minds would not wander, and that we, Lord, would worship you with all of our soul now as we hear your word. We pray this in Jesus' good name. Everyone said, Amen. you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. If you do... They're on it. They're on it. <laughs>
beautiful, beautiful there on top of it. And I forgot, glory to God. Amen. If you don't have an outline, raise your hand. Just hold it up and the ushers will get you an outline. We want to make sure that everybody has an outline. I want you to be able to follow along in the intro. Um, we also want to make sure that you are taking notes, answering the questions that are within the outline. And then obviously of most importance to me is not just that you follow along in an outline, not just that you answer questions for yourself, but that you are making disciples. And so my question to you weekly is who is it that you are helping grow in their faith? Who is it that you're helping them come to a better knowledge of Jesus? And so the way that you do that is by studying the scriptures with them, praying with them, and you can utilize the outlines and what you're learning to help someone grow in their faith. And so I pray and I hope that you are doing that. Also, if you are following along in our Bible reading challenge, we are on day 43. And so we are in the book of Numbers, chapters 10 through 12. Amen. I know y'all are excited about the book of Numbers, the favorite book of everyone. That is a book that you read every month, right? You meditate on that book. Um, and I, as I said in the first video that I put out there for the book of Numbers, actually the only one that I did in the book of Numbers, um, the one thing that you realize in the book of Numbers is that God is a God of detail. And he pays attention to the details, right? Numbers matter, obviously. Counting matters, obviously. How many of you would love to be an accountant? Just raise your hand. How many would love? There's like one hand, one, two. There's two hands, that three. There's three hands. That's it. Because the rest of us are like, why on earth do we even have to worry about that? But I want you to know something. Don't be sleeping on the book of Numbers because like today, chapter 12, you're going to read some really interesting stuff there. Uh, Miriam ends up with leprosy. And that's not cool that she ended up with leprosy. But the point is, it's not just about numbers, right? So in the midst of all of those details, God is speaking. So go through the book of Numbers, read it. Um, I encourage you, get a Bible app that reads to you. That will help you read through your three chapters. Read the three, three chapters a day. We'll be out of the book of Numbers in no time. Hopefully you will have learned some stuff, but I encourage you to stay in the fight. Amen? Amen? Don't give up. Don't give up. So we are here and we are in our, our, our series, Living Faith. The title of the message today is Died in Faith, and that's based on verse 13. And what I realized, and I love this, I didn't get to hear the whole um, sermon that Brother Anthony preached, but can we give him a hand? I just, I really appreciate him um, sharing the word of God. I actually got fired in our men's meeting because they said that he was going to take over. And I was like, take it, bro, take it, you know. But no, I didn't do that. But he was, he was like, no, 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 you're good. And I was like, okay, I appreciate it. But he didn't want the job, so I, I'm okay with that, right? No, I'm just kidding. But nonetheless, um, I really do appreciate him. I, you know, I didn't, I, like I said, I didn't get to hear the whole message. But the one thing that I loved in the part that I was able to catch was he pointed out that when you look at all of the other Hall of Fames that are there, those are based upon man's ability. They're being credited for their ability to do something like you can have an amazing batting average or you're able to run with a ball you know a certain way or throw a ball a certain way or you're able to make you know balls in a basket and those are the types of people that we see in the halls of fame throughout you know our our land but this particular hall of faith is not about the abilities of men but it's about their faith in God and God accredits them with this faith and God grants them this faith because y'all know that God's the one that grants faith right 
He's the one that empowers our faith. He enables our faith. And so when we look at this, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6 is the vision verse of Core Faith Church, right? But without faith, it is impossible to please God. But those who come to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, right? But without faith, it is impossible to please God. And so nobody would have made it into this hall of faith if they didn't have faith because what pleases God above everything else is when we have faith in him. When we have faith in him, that's what pleases him. That is what moves his heart is when we put faith in him. And it's not perfect faith. Hear me when I say this. It is not perfect faith that moves him. It is faith. You remember the father that was seeking healing in the, in, in, in the New Testament and was seeking healing, I believe, it was for his daughter. And Jesus says, you know, with, with God, you know, all things are possible. You know, if you believe, all things are possible. And what does he cry out? He's like, I believe. Help my unbelief. Did Jesus say, well, you know, since you have a little bit of unbelief there, I'm not going to heal your daughter until you deal with that. Is that what Jesus said? Is that what Jesus did? No, the story says Jesus healed her. And dealt with his, his unbelief. The reality is that he put his faith as much as he had in God. And so that is what God is calling from us. That is what he's asking of us. And so that way we can be those people, like we saw in the video, who God continues to write his story through us. And that is only going to be by our stepping in faith. And so as children of God, our deepest desire, first paragraph here, should be to please the Lord. Now listen to me. A heart not dominated by a desire to please the Lord is a heart that has not been transformed by the gospel. Did you get that? If you don't have a desire, a longing within your soul to please God, I have to call into question if you've been changed by the gospel. Because if there is, is there anything more important in my life, in your life, than pleasing the Lord? There shouldn't be. Now, does that mean we're always going to get that perfect? Absolutely not. We're not going to get it perfect. But here's the reality, that if you don't desire to please God, then we have to question, have you been transformed by the gospel? And the beauty of it is, is that God wants to transform our hearts. Second paragraph here, looking at the lives of these heroes and heroines of faith, our hearts should be motivated to live by faith in God and in his promises. So when we look at these people of faith, they should motivate our lives. They should motivate us to believe God, to trust God, even in the midst of impossibility, even in the midst of scenarios that don't seem like anything is going to come about it, even in the situations that we don't have answers to, right? We should look at these lives and say, man, if Abraham could trust, I can trust. If Noah could trust, I can trust. If Abel can trust, I can trust. If Sarah can laugh and trust, I can trust. Hello, somebody. Right, like those are the things that should happen. If these people can trust in the midst of their circumstances, so can I. And so we should be moved and motivated. Third paragraph here, the theme died in faith may seem morbid for a sermon title, right? Like died in faith. I want to talk to you today about dying in faith. We're all going to die. Amen. Right, like that's exciting. Like you all want to jump on that ship, right? You all want to get on that boat. But here is the reality. This should be the goal of all believers, to die with a sure hope in the promised one who promises us an inheritance of eternal glory and value. Are you here? This should be the desire of all believers, that we will live, that we will live our faith, that we will live for the glory of God, and that we will also come to the end of our days, 
bringing glory and honor to God. You know, I don't know about you, but I've had a couple of opportunities to go to a few different funerals. I've conducted a few funerals, but I've been able to participate in, in, in some funerals and just be there. And the one thing that is for certain that I, that I absolutely am, you know, overwhelmed by is when I go to a true believer's funeral. And what I mean by that is a person, not just that was a Christian, but a person who was one who was living and who died in faith. A person whose life has, has, has impacted the lives of others. Can I tell you something? That if, if, if you, if, if my funeral, if there's, if there's not a bunch of people whose lives have been impacted, man, then I wasn't living faith. I wasn't living my faith because you know what happens? Faith is not just about me and my life. My faith, your faith, is about impacting the lives of others. I remember going to a funeral to Brother Dave Christie, and um, his, it was his father's funeral. And when we went to that funeral, I was so moved. I mean, it was, it was such an amazing thing. I mean, first of all, that place was jam-packed with people who were there to honor this guy. But I w- as I was sitting there, everybody that got up there and talked about him, how they had impacted so many lives. There was one guy that he preached to in Jamaica 43 years ago. The guy was like a police officer or a security officer or something, and, his, and Dave Christie's dad went out there preached to this guy this guy got saved 43 years ago and because of him he you know this guy's a minister of the gospel impacting lives that's the kind of life that I want to live that I, that I want to live that I died in faith and so we have to have that kind of heart and so here's the big idea dying in faith is only possible if we are living by faith and and, and, and that may sound real simple and that's okay big ideas doesn't have to be real deep It just has to make a point, which is what I want to drive home throughout this entire message, that we, if we are going to die in faith, if we are going to die in faith, we must be living by faith. Because if I'm not living by faith, I'm definitely not dying by faith. Hello. If I'm not living my faith out, I'm not going to be dying in the faith the way that I should be. And so the first thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, we cannot be consumed by the cares of this life if we are to live by faith. We cannot be consumed by the cares of this life if we are to live by faith. Do you get that? I want you to think about that for a moment because in this world, we all have responsibilities, right? We all have responsibilities. There's no question about that. But if I'm going to live by faith, I cannot be consumed by the responsibilities that I have in in this life. Look at verse 13. Look what it says. It says, these all died in faith. Not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. I want you to understand why this is so important. It is the enemy's ultimate goal to keep us focused on temporal things to the negligence of eternal things. It is his goal to keep us focused on things that are temporary, things that are going to, I mean, they're going to die here. You know, we're, we're, you know the house we're, we're, we're living in, the cars we're driving, the clothes that we're dealing with, the six-pack we're working towards. Hello, somebody. And I ain't talking about Budweiser either. Hello, you shouldn't be working toward that six-pack. But anyway. Huh. I, got, I got a witness over here, buddy. He's like, all right now, Bishop. All right, amen. All right. <laughs> But the reality is, all of that stuff, everything, all all of those things are temporary. And they're all going to fade away. And there's one thing that's going to matter, and it's what we did with eternal value. 
You know, the reality is that all of us, we all have specific responsibilities. And, you know, as to children, the young people in the room, the ones that are, you know, still living in your parents' house, you know, you have in the scriptures, everybody has a responsibility. And so we all have different responsibilities in the different stages of our lives. And so for those of you that are young people in the, in the room, and I'm not talking about young at heart, amen? I'm talking about those that are really young, like under the age of 18 or, you know, still living at home, going to college. You know, you have a responsibility. The primary responsibility you have, obviously, to honor God and living in holiness. But the one thing the Bible says, it tells you to honor your mother and your father. And so that is a responsibility that everyone in this room has, but especially you young people in here, to honor your father and mother. Amen. That's like you should be shouting right now, right? Like that is, that's it, right? But then as you grow, as you get a little bit older, you know, you find a significant other and you get married. And then when you get married, for those of you that are married in the room, amen, glory to God. You still have to honor your father and mother, but now you have to love your wife as Christ loves the church. And you have to submit to your husband, amen, somebody, glory to God. Another shouting moment, glory to God. All right. And then as you're married, you have children. And then suddenly you have to honor your father and mother. You have to love your spouse. You have to, you have to submit to your spouse. And then you have to raise your children in the fear and the admonition of the Lord, right? So amen. amen. So see, the responsibilities as you continue to grow through life, you get a job. And guess what? You have to honor your employee. Amen, somebody? You got to work hard. Like all of these responsibilities are there. And so we are called to live our faith like this. We're, we're, we have to. Hear, hear, hear me when I say this. We all have to be responsible for the things we've been given in this life, but we cannot be consumed by those responsibilities. We have to make sure that we take care of stuff. Like we should pay our bills. I think that's a good thing to do. I'm just saying, right? I think we should keep the lights on, right? We should keep some food in the refrigerator, right? Just saying. But we can't be consumed by those things. We can't allow ourselves, uh, you know, anyway, we, we, we just can't be consumed, right? But here's, here's a few things I want you to notice about these people of faith that are described here. The things, there's three things there that you see in this verse. Number one is that living by faith, um, they were living by faith when they died. That's the first thing. The second thing is they died without seeing the fulfillment of all of the promises. And the third thing is they recognized that they were strangers and pilgrims in the earth. Those three things I want you to see because those are there in this verse. The first one is it says that they died by faith. And for them to die by faith means that they were living by faith, right? And so here's what we get. Our faith must remain in God until the end. Say until the end. It's not, you know, Jesus said, he who endures to the end shall be saved. He didn't say the one that started off like a shooting star. It's the one who finishes the race. It's not the one that blows up. It's not, the, it's not that one. It's the one that finishes. And that's what we're supposed to Dying by faith, right? I'm living to die, right? Again, morbid. But here's the reality. I'm living for the glory of God because I realize that one day I'm going to breathe my last breath and I want to make sure that I have lived every moment, every second. I have breathed every... Listen, if it isn't a breath for God's glory, it's a breath of repentance saying, please forgive me. That's the life that we should be living. It should either be that I'm breathing for the glory of God. I'm running this race for his glory and honor. And if I am not, then I am recognizing, God, forgive me for falling short. Forgive me for allowing the standard to be lowered. Forgive me for not bringing you the glory you're worthy of. That is what these people were doing. They were living. They died in faith. The second thing is that they did this. They died without seeing the fulfillment of all the promises. That's a rough one. That's a rough one because you know what? How many of y'all are okay not seeing all of the promises of God? Let's just be real now. 
None of us want to not see God's promises fulfilled in our lives. If you're sick, you want to see God's healing promises in your life. If you are broke, hey man, some people started about to dance up in here. Like, come on, God, give me a... If you are broke, you want to see God's promises fulfilled in your life. If you are in a marriage that is, that is messed up, you know what? You want to see God's promises in your life, right? For your children, I mean, come on now, let's talk about our kids. Now, now, now we're getting deep, right? None of us want to see our kids stray from the faith. We want to believe, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, that they are sanctified by us. We want to see, hold on a second, but, but, but look at what the scripture says. The scripture says, these died in the faith and they didn't see the promises of God. Let me tell you something. Your faith does not always benefit you, but it always benefits the next generation. Did you hear me? Your faith, listen to me. I, I need you to understand this. You and I we may not see some of the promises of God, but you know what we have to do? We have to stay faithful to the promiser. We have to stay, <coughs> we have to stay faithful to the one who promises. You know why? Because if we decide that we're going to walk away, guess what? The next generation is affected. If I decide because I don't see everything happen the way that I want, that I'm going to walk away, I'm going to hit neutral, and I'm just going to live my life, whatever, however it comes, it comes. If I decide to live like that, my son, my daughter, my grandkids, they get affected by my lack of faith. See, I have to walk in faith just like these people. I have to see the promises from afar off. I have to look ahead, and I have to know that the promiser is faithful. And that my faith, listen, here's the thing. I'm going, to, I'm going to be benefited by my faith. Why? Because I'm going to grow in my relationship with Jesus. I'm going to know him better. I'm going to know him more intimately. And look, there's going to come moments, I need to let you know this. I wish I was the Bible answer man. I am not. Hello. I don't have all of the answers. I don't know every answer to every question. I don't have that. And you don't either. But you know what the beauty of it is? We know the one who does. And we can trust him. And when he says no, or we don't see a promise, we, we can stand firm knowing that God is on the throne. And we know that he's faithful. The third thing that it tells us about them, I love this. It says, they recognized they were strangers and pilgrims in the earth. There were people that were living by faith until they died. There are people that didn't see all the promises, and they confessed. They said, we are pilgrims, and we are strangers in the earth. I looked at these words. I love this. The first one is strangers, and it is this. Of a different socio-political group. Come on, somebody. Of a different socio-political. Hello. Political group. Of a different group. Not the same group. Hello, somebody. I know some people get upset when I talk about politics. It's okay. You can get upset. But here's what I want you to understand. The scriptures say that we are strangers in this earth that we are passers-by, that we relate with these people who are being described. And so the point is that we are not supposed to be of any political group here. That should not be the first thing. In other words, if I'm a Republican before I'm a Christian, I have issues. If I'm a Libertarian before I'm a Christian, I have issues. Hello? 
If I am part of the Tea Party before I'm a Christian, I have issues. And for my Democrat friends, if you are a Democrat before you are a Christian, you have issues. Come on now. Because we are strangers of a different socio-political party. I wish we could start our own party, but we'd mess it up. So we're better just doing this, not being part of any party, glory to God, and just bringing glory to God and representing the King of Kings and believing him for his truth, his word, and his will. The earth would be a better place. Because I need you to know, this party, that party, that party, whatever party, the kingdom of God ain't coming through them parties. You want to know who the kingdom of God is coming through? Us. Us. And you know what? God is not going to be connected and, and aligned with any of that kind of stuff. God wants to bring glory to his name, his kingdom. It says we are strangers, right? It says that we are, we are strangers. And then it says that we are pilgrims, meaning that we are temporary residents. When you're a temporary resident, now think about this, right? For some of you that may know this, you know, we are in the process of selling our house and moving and all this kind of stuff. And so we are potentially going to be temporary residents. Can I tell you something? We already thought about exactly how it's going to be if we are temporary residents somewhere. We're not unpacking everything. Y'all got to understand this principle. We're, we are not unpacking everything. We're not getting too, we're going to be comfortable enough, right? We're going to be able to sleep okay so we don't walk, you know, wake up because you get older, right? I, I, heard a, I heard a preacher say he woke up, he said he was hurt, he was in pain. And he said, he asked his wife, man, what did I do? She's like, you slept. And he's like, apparently going from here to here brings all kind of pain after 40. Here's the deal. We're going to be comfortable enough, but we're not going to get so comfortable that we forget that there's another place that we're going. Are you here? You see, and so what's supposed to happen for us is we are supposed to be temporary residents here, living like temporary residents. We're not putting all of our eggs in this basket. We are looking forward to the kingdom that is coming. I got to move on. My time is getting short here. But here's the thing. For us, our faith must be a growing faith that brings us to the place of total surrender to the will of God in great hope of the future. Are you here? That's what's supposed to happen inside of us. See, when we think of ourselves as strangers, as pilgrims, you know what begins to happen? We begin to care less about this life and care more about the life to come. Second thing I ask you to repeat after me, say, we must be inspired by the life to come if we are to live by faith. We must be inspired by the life to come if we are to live by faith. Look at verses 14 and 15. It says, for those who say such things, saying that they are pilgrims, that they are strangers, say such things, declare plainly that they seek a homeland. Say a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. See, there, there, there should be something inside of us, right? There. There, there, there's like a homesickness that, that, that should be inside of us. Because when we were born again, something happened. God brought us into a relationship, and he allows us to experience some of heaven. See, some of us on this earth, we know about being homesick because when we left home, right, whether it was to go to school, whether it was to move away, you know, we were homesick. And it wasn't just because of the fact that someone was cooking your meals. Hello. Come on now. Some of y'all are like, yeah, that bishop, that's all it was. But listen, for the rest of us, right? 
It wasn't just because someone was washing your clothes. It wasn't just because someone took care of the shopping list. It wasn't just because there was a home sickness. Because what? Because you missed people. Because you missed relationship. Because you were in a place where there were strangers. You were in a place where you weren't around family. Hello, somebody. And what happens is when my values change because I am changed by the glory of God, then you know what happens? What happens is all of a sudden I start to sense the fact that I'm a stranger. I start to feel out of place. See, when I'm in a workplace and people are telling jokes and I'm like, man, I just don't find that funny. I mean, I really want to cry because you actually think that's funny. I don't know if that's ever happened to you, you know, where, where, where someone is laughing at something and you're like, man, that's not funny. You start to feel like a stranger. And then you sense a homesickness because you realize you don't belong here. There's something, there's something. It's not because you want to do that. It's not because you want to be different. It's because God has made you different. It's because God has changed your heart. And so the reality is we should all have that, 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 that homesickness that is inside of us. You know, I love worship, you know, and, and it's so, so awesome. You know, in both services, different experiences, but the presence of God manifested in both. Just a beautiful presence. And you know what? The truth is I could have sang in both services and not even preached. Hello, I know y'all wished I did that. No. <laughs> but I could have literally just went ahead and said, you know, we're just going to sing. Because the presence of God is so amazing. You know what? I just want to be in his presence. But you know what I'm looking for? I'm looking for a homeland. I'm looking for a place. It's not just to get away from the pain and the discomfort. But hear me when I say this. But even the good stuff pales in comparison to his presence. That has to be something that is in our hearts. See, it's easy for us to remain comfortable and complacent. See, because what happens is a lot of us, you know what happens to us is what these people didn't do. A lot of us become like Lot's wife. You remember Lot's wife, right? You remember what she did, right? When they brought deliverance to the land, all of a sudden Lot's wife decided that she was turning back. It doesn't tell us why she turned back. It doesn't tell us why she looked back. But you know what it tells us? It tells us that when she turned back, she did what? She turned into a pillar of salt. His, her husband and daughters escaped the land, but she stood as a pillar of salt. And so what does that tell us? What does that imply to us? That tells us, number one, that when God delivers us, we don't need to look back. When God sets us free, we don't need, we don't need to be looking back. Man, I wish, you know, the days of old, I, I wish I'd go back. No, 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 you're not there. Stop looking back because the second principle is this. When you steady looking back, guess what you do? You get stuck. You're never moving forward because you're so nostalgic. Because you're thinking so much about yesteryear. And God is like, look, I want to move you forward. So third thing here, repeat this after me. Say, living faith, living faith is a product, is a product of, a of a living relationship with the Lord. Living faith is a product of a living relationship with the Lord. Look at verse 16. It says this. It says, but now they desire a better. That is a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their father, for he has prepared a city for them. I love that second part. I mean, the, the first part is beautiful, that they are seeking a better, a heavenly country, right? They're seeking a, an eternal abode with God. But I love what it says. It says, therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. And literally, when you look that up in its, in, in its original language, the way that it, it, it writes out is it's like he's not ashamed to put his last name on them. In other words, he's not ashamed to be called their father. He's not ashamed to be called their daddy. 
And here's what I want you to understand. I said this from the beginning. There will be no dying in faith if there is no living relationship with the Lord. Did you get that? You're not going to die by faith if you're not living in a relationship with God. See, there's a reality that I've come to understand, and I was thinking about this today, earlier today, and it, and it is this. It is that if God, over 20 years of my walk with the Lord, and 20 years, I mean, I've had some amazing experience with the God. I was telling someone the other day, I remember one, I remember one day when I was youth pastoring, and we were in, in the middle of a, of a youth conference, and I went in the room, it was a Saturday, and I, and, I, and I went into my study, and I just started worshiping the Lord, and as I started worshiping God, I began weeping uncontrollably, and it was just such an awesome, you know, time in the presence of the Lord. Anyway, that's had an experience like that you know how that is you don't want to walk away from it but I was looking at the time because for some reason I got in the room late and so I had to get to church I was like you know 20-30 minutes from church and I had to still take a shower I had to get ready and I remember literally and this is no joke as I'm in the presence of God I'm sitting in the room and I'm like okay Lord I got to take a shower and so I'm like okay we can take this experience in the shower amen we're all good and I could barely take a shower. I mean, I was just so overwhelmed with the presence of the Lord. The point is, you know, I ended up, I'm here today, so obviously I made it to church. But, you know, the fact is, the, the fact is this. I have had enough experiences with God to where if God never touched me again, if God never did anything for me again, I would be okay and I'm good to go. But you know why I thought about that? Because at that moment that I was thinking about that, that is how many Christians live. And the Lord was challenging me as his son saying, listen, I don't want you to just have 20 years of past experiences with me. I want you to have however many more years I give you, I want you to experience me. I want you to encounter me. I want you to know my love. I want you to have a living relationship with me. I don't want you to look at yesterday and say, man, God is awesome because of what I experienced. God is still awesome and wants you to know him more. And the reality is that if you and I are not walking in an intimate relationship with God, we're not experiencing the way that he, that, that he wants us to. And guess what? We're never going to die in faith the way these people did. And so what I'm saying is, listen, don't be like Lot's wife. Don't be looking back at the past and get stuck there and the old world. But I'm also telling you, don't be like someone who knows Jesus, has had encounters with Jesus, and lets that be enough. That's not enough. We've got to be those that are pursuing him daily because he doesn't want you to just know him yesterday. He wants you to know him today. He wants you to know him tomorrow. He wants you to know him always. And so here's my closing question for you. I want you to think about what I'm going to ask you. If you died today, right now, you breathe your last breath, would you be dying in faith? If you died right now, right now, you breathe your last. I know that sounds terrible. You're like... But if you died right now, would you be dying in faith? Or would you just be dying with a knowledge of God? How would you die? Because the truth is we should all be striving to die in faith. Not with just a knowledge of God, but in a living, vibrant, real, present relationship with Jesus. And so here's the beauty of this. The beauty of this is that Jesus died on the cross for our sins so that we could have this relationship with the Father. That is a living relationship, not a past relationship. And so if you're not walking with him, if you die today and you say, no, I wouldn't die in faith, today's an opportunity for you to repent of your sin, for you to trust him. If you're a Christian and you're saying, man, I'm not living a vibrant relationship with God, 
I'm living off of knowledge of God, not knowing him. He calls you to repentance as well. And if you're in and you say, yeah, if I died today, I would die in faith and praise the living God for you. But if you say no, today's the opportunity for you to turn your heart to him. Amen? So I stand on our feet. Let's pray together. gracious God, we thank you so much today. We humble ourselves before you and we acknowledge that you are holy, that you are righteous and you are pure. We acknowledge God that there is no one in heaven and earth that can compare to you. And so Lord, we come to you, Lord, and I pray for those in this place that answered no to that question, God, that if they died today, they would not be dying in faith. I pray that you would fill them with a repentant heart. I pray that you would draw them near to you. I pray that they would turn unto you today and that they would begin to walk with you, whether they are not a believer or whether they are a believer that is far from you, God. Father, either way, draw their hearts to you. Fill them with a hunger and a thirst for you. And I pray for the rest of us, Lord God, that are striving to live our faith. Give us the ability, Lord God, to live our faith out the way that you desire in a manner that is pleasing and honoring to your name, Lord. We give Give you the glory that you alone are worthy of. And we pray this in the good name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Come on, give God a hand of praise.